One of the things that I heard, uh, I, I guess I'll preach to you a little bit different, but just the way the Holy Ghost put my heart. I heard the whole week a thread. It actually began, not Wednesday night, but I really didn't realize it, but it actually began with Chris, Pastor Chris. On Sunday morning, when he spoke out of the book of Matthew, chapter 25, about the parable of the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. But the reality of it all, when everything is boiled down, and then when they came through, let me just get that out of the way for a moment and keep moving. And then what was amazing, when Sister Todd came in on Wednesday night and picked up the story again. Now that's not by chance. That's not by chance. If God is speaking, do you ever see this through the Scripture, something that says it like this, Verily, verily, I say. When God puts that verily in there, and especially puts it in there a couple times, He's meaning for us to pay close attention to what is being said. He's wanting us to grab it. Matter of fact, if God keeps repeating something, I used to preach for a brother years ago that he's moved away. And he said, every time you come in this house, you preach the same message. I don't have a clue what I preached the last time I was there. And it kind of, you know, bothered me. I thought, my goodness, why does that happen? Because I don't, you know, keep a record of what I preach. And I definitely, you guys possibly know this. I don't have a, you know, pile of sermons I pull out. And I'm going to take my best one and go there and do that. I just really tried to find the Lord. And I thought, well, brother, if he keeps sending me back with the same message, then you guys must not be getting it. And it's the same way in this house. If God keeps repeating I heard somebody tell me today, somebody said, you know, they'd heard responses. You know what? Pastor, it's just, he just confirmed. They just confirmed things that you've been speaking. Well, maybe we ought to pay attention to something. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, and I know that a number of people were here over those nights of meeting that are not here tonight, and it's okay. But, but the whole fact is, if God keeps repeating something, we may not really be grabbing everything that God wants us to get. And so when I hear the parable of the ten virgins, what he's dealing with, it wasn't really about the virgins as much as it was about the oil. It was the issue of the oil. Now, when you look at the nature of Holy Spirit through the Bible, thought it was interesting. Dr. Chris Cody comes in and, man, he just starts moving in the Holy Ghost. He just starts things in the Spirit. That was his nature of what God was doing to him. I'm, I'm looking back over some of my notes. If you always watch me, I'm taking notes on everything because I don't want to miss one thing that God is up to. But he began to start out the very first night talking about the move of the Holy Ghost. And through the Scripture, the Holy Spirit is identified in several different ways. Sometimes He's identified as a dove. That's how we first see Him when He came down and rested upon Jesus at baptism. We see the Holy Spirit uh, many times referenced as a river. As a river. He said, out of us in the book of John chapter 7. He said, uh, to those that believe, out of them shall flow rivers of living water. Then he said, but I'm speaking about the Holy Spirit. So he speaks of rivers, which speaks of power. He speaks of him as of just lit literally water. He speaks of him as wind. He speaks of him as shaking. But notice through this whole time, none of that was mentioned, but nothing was mentioned but the oil. And so we better pay close attention to what the oil is about. And that's what I want to speak on tonight for a few moments. Thank you, Miss Janet. I want to talk to you about the oil. And about what God is doing possibly. Because if we can see the purpose of the oil. Then maybe we could see the purpose of what we need to be doing. And how we need to be responding in this moment of time that we're in. You know Pastor Chris started out with this. Are we ready? And you remember in the course of that was the title of his message. Are we ready? Are we ready for the bridegroom? Are we ready for God to really come and do what God wants to do? The second part of that message is, are we ready for responsibility? 
Are we ready to pick up the responsibility of what God is doing? Because it's one thing to say God is doing it. It's another thing to, to step into it. Listen, seven days, is five days was over. We're in the, what, what's today's date? The ninth. We're, we're three days past now. And it's too easy to just go back and say, well, we had a good meeting. Let's just keep going back to the same old, same old. But I think we were challenged by that. Matter of fact, I heard the prophet challenge us on the first night, challenging us to get out of our comfort, challenging us to go beyond. Even past Dr. Cody challenged us a lot. He challenged us in the whole idea of some of the expressions of our worship. He challenged us in some of the things about running. Listen, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just telling all of us. I guarantee every one of us in this room has put God in a box, and this is where we're going to let him live in our life. And I believe God is saying, hey, I want to get you out of your box so I can be bigger than what you've been seeing me. Hello? We better understand it. I want to see God big. But then I want to keep him in my framework of my box. But I got to realize there's a measure of responsibility that I have. And then with the long comes responsibility, if I remember the third point of the message that Brother Chris brought to us is that we've got to be ready for judgment because God is going to bring us to account for the things that he has entrusted into our life. Man, God, I want you to use me. I want you to do something big in me. But then I've got to realize, wait a minute, it's not mine at all. It belongs to God. And God's going to call me one day to say, hey, what have you brought to me? I don't know about you, but that story, Chris, Pastor Chris brought it in such a dynamic way. But it made me talk like this, and I've been praying like this. Lord, if they don't want it, give me their portion. I have a right to ask for it because that's what he did to the guy that had one. You remember, Pastor Chris put a lot of emphasis upon the guy that had one that didn't do anything with it. He just sat on it when at least he should have got next to somebody that somebody was doing something with it and they both could have done something great together. So if you don't want it, God, give it to me. I know there's some others that want it the same way. That's how I'm praying. So if you come up and feeling empty, it might be... Hello, not saying it is, but it might be it's already been released. Well, I better get off that and go on because I don't want to hang up because I don't think it's there yet. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, God, don't let us sit here and waste what you're doing. And then when the prophet comes in, she begins to speak. Uh, our, our pastor Chris began to talk about Chris Cody. Begin, Dr. Cody began to talk about that church of the flesh and that church of the spirit. And I got to thinking about that, you, you know, after that. Lord, we got to make a decision. We got to make a decision. Are we going to follow our flesh? Or are we going to be a church of the Spirit? Hello? And we say, but we're one of those churches of the Spirit. Are we? Are we really one of those churches that are just saying, God, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, and see if we're going to be that way and we're going to let him be God. This, there has to be attitudes that have to change, I believe, that says, well, you know, this is who we are. No, we're people of the Spirit. I was meeting with somebody yesterday that's struggling in their life and they're struggling with the issues that are going on in the world. Matter of fact, it almost angers them and I can see it upon them and I had to look at them right now and say, hey, dude, this is how it's going to be. You're going to have to determine. Are you going to live after this world or are you going to be a kingdom purpose? Now, if you're going to live after this world, all of this stuff is going to mess with you. But if you're going to be a person of the kingdom, you're rising above it, you're going to look at it totally different and realize it does not have to have its effect on me. I'm supposed to be a transformer and helping bring transformation into the world that's messed up. Are y'all okay? We started talking about are we that church of the spirit? Are we that church of the flesh? And I truly believe it. Man, the enemy knows how exactly how to work and how to move. And then on the last night, he would just begin to take us in to the things of the spirit. Just begin to be filled with the Spirit. We had several people that night filled with the Holy Ghost. But let's talk about the oil. Let's just get down to where I want to get tonight for just a few moments without rehearsing their messages again. I want to talk about the oil. Why is the oil? What does the oil represent? If that was the emphasis of God through the whole meeting, what does the oil represent? I believe it represents this. I believe it represents the life and the flow of the Holy Spirit in us. And through us. The life and the flow of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. 
I found that there are three purposes for the oil. There may be more, but I found three through the scripture. I want to give them to you real quickly. First of all, it's for light. It's for light. If you remember over the last how many months, even back when the Amston was, Amstons were here, even back when, and who was our worshiping guy? Uh, uh, Kent Henry was here. Remember, both of them talked about lights, about us being beacons of light. Brother Kent Henry said, you are. He said, I see you carrying out, giving out like light scrolls. And then Sister uh, Amston, Brother Amston stood here and prophesied that morning and said, you are lights, that you're a beacon to this city and to this region. You have to understand something. It's the oil that fuels the light. If you'll go back into Old Testament principles, and it's a principle all the way through the word, really, in the book of Exodus chapter 27, God gives to Moses a plan of the tabernacle. It's heaven manifesting itself on earth in actuality. And in verse 20 of Exodus 27, he said, And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lampstand to burn. Listen to what he said. To cause the lampstand to burn continuously. There's another, let me finish reading it. I'll give you another translation. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons, the priests, shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord, and it shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. In other words, this light is to never, ever go out. And it's our responsibility to keep the oil in the light so the light can burn. But another translation there that talks about the light or a definition that says the lamp shall burn continuously is this, that the lamp will ascend, the light will ascend unto me. Wow. That puts it in a home that whatever we do is ascending as worship unto the Lord. And he says, this lamp shall never, ever go out and we're to tend it. Notice what he said from evening to morning. That's how they would structure today. We do it from morning to evening. They did it from evening to morning. I've got a responsibility every day to make sure that my light is burning and my oil is full so that the light can never ever go out. And this isn't just for me. It's for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Now I look around this place tonight, and I want you, I don't, I think it was Dr. Cody said this on the last night. He talked about the generational things of the generations working together. And I want to put a new emphasis in us older ones in this room. This is no time for us to sit back and sit down and just say, I'm too old, I'm too this, and I'm going to hand it off. Because if we hand it off and they don't have the wisdom, they'll screw it up. Hello. And somehow the reason it gets messed up because they don't know how, because they don't see it anymore, they don't see it working. I was in a, I was in a ministerial alliance meeting yesterday. And I think I was the only Pentecostal there. I was actually leading it yesterday because the brother that leads it wasn't in town. And, and I'm the next guy, I guess, in line. And uh, there was a number of Catholic people and another, other guys from other churches there. Most of them were Catholic or Lutheran or Methodist or something. And I'm the Pentecostal guy. But there was a guest individual there from one of the agencies in town that was sharing a, one, about the agency and what they do throughout the city. I had made mention because I... I was asking some of my Catholic friends that were there why they did some of the things, what they'd done, because one of them was a deacon, okay? Let me see what a deacon in a Catholic church looks like. I, I wasn't, I just wanted to know. I didn't know. So I, I'm asking this question. Then they asked me about me, about how I got into ministry. And, of course, I said, I'm a Pentecostal boy from day one, come up and, uh, you, you know, an independent Pentecostal church. See, that was even foreign to them. They even make a comment like that. But here's the interesting point. The young lady, 
lead that came in to bring the, the, what she was going to share with us about her, her agency she works for. She is a former Pentecostal. And she said, you know what? It's hard to find old school, old light. And she's not. She's a young lady. But she said, I remember those old Pentecostal days of when the saints used to shout and, and such as that. And we've chatted a few moments. And she said, I'm looking for a church. I said, well, come close. I said, we might be one of the closest things to that in town. And one of the other brothers said it. I didn't say it. They said it. You know what? He's right. He's pro- I don't know how they knew that, but they said he's probably that way. But you see, the world is looking for the real. They're not looking for, they're not looking for religion. That's why they're walking away. And we think we're helping them. We're feeding their flesh. We're making them feel good. But nothing is life-changing. And there has to be a light of God. There has to be a glow of God somewhere that lets them know what is real. God, shine in us. Shine through us. Shine on us again. He said, you got to let this light. It's got to shine. Here's the second reason. Here's the second reason. It was for consecration, separation. Maybe God's consecrating us for something bigger, something better. You know, and again, the book of Exodus, God give Moses this, this pattern of the tabernacle. He had it by the Spirit. God showed him on the mountain. There was nobody else up there with him. I think maybe Joshua had went up at one point, I think, But nonetheless, it was all given to Moses. And Moses has got to come down now. And he's got to hand this thing off, Miss Sarah. And he's got to to relay to somebody what God said. What I give you, I want you to build according to pattern. I want you to build according to pattern. This hit me the other day. Then I read through the scripture where he finds this guy, I believe it's in chapter 30. I think that's where he's at. Y'all just stay where you are. I'll find it. I'll tell you to go anywhere. No. So just stay right where you are. He finds this guy. It's in chapter 35, verse 30. He finds this guy by the name of Bezai, uh, How do you pronounce it? Bezai, B-A-Z-A-L-E-L. Basileel. Basileel. Thank you. He finds him. The Bible calls him. An artisan. He was gifted. He was skilled. But here's what really caught my attention. Then Moses said to the children of Israel, this is Exodus 35, 30 for you guys that were taking notes. See the Lord has called, what's his name again? Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic work. Here's how most of us operate. We get a vision. I know how to make this thing happen. I start building. It doesn't mean that it looks anything like what God wanted. That's why the Lord said, I have put my spirit in him and I've given him wisdom, and I've given him understanding. Church, this is something even now we need to be asking God, God, what do you want to do with what you're doing in my life? How do you want this thing to look? How do you want this thing to work? How do you want this thing to flow? Because a lot of times we're doing things that are still. He, listen, remember, he was an artisan. He was gifted. He was skilled. He could have operated out of his gift. He could have operated out of his knowledge. And it probably would have looked nothing like what God had wanted. Had he put it in his hands. But now it forces me, pastor, to get back before God. And to come before him. God, you've encountered me. What am I going to do? How do you want me to look? How do you want me to function in this moment? Give me an understanding. That's why I'm talking to us tonight about the oil. Because if we don't, we get happy in the oil and don't know what the oil's about. And they built this incredible tent, tabernacle unto the Lord. That God's so detailed. If you don't think God is in the details, you are greatly mistaken. 
go read through it because he put the length, the height, the breadth, even the knobs, everything that it was to be made out of, the colors, everything about it had to be exactly right. But just because it was made still hasn't set it apart. And God said, take the oil. And now you consecrate the instruments. You consecrate this place. What does the word consecrate mean? It means it's set apart. It means, sir, for a purpose. It's set apart for a purpose. It is now holy unto the Lord. And it is not to be used. It is not to be structured for any other purpose than what God is saying. Could it be that maybe God is saying to us, it's time that we re-consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Well, I'm in love with God. That don't mean anything. Let's go back to the story a minute. It wasn't an issue that there wasn't oil. Because it starts out, there was oil. They all had oil. But there were five wise and there were five foolish. And life went on. The Bible said that they all were sleeping. Were they foolish because they were sleeping? No, they were doing life. Just like you and I. Life happens. That's why sometimes I can be in the middle of revival. I can be in the middle of a move of God, man, jumping up and down, bouncing off the wall, and all of a sudden the event happens like it happened to us on Friday, and my wife goes to the hospital. I got news for you. I can't tell you I was just lost in the spirit in here. I'm in both worlds. I'm in here, and I'm over there, and more over there than it was in here. Wanting to be in both places. And the only reason I was in here is because she told me, go on. Because I didn't want there. Because I knew better. I didn't want this church or anything to come before her. Because it doesn't. Hello, it doesn't. And she had given me permission. She encouraged me. I'm okay. Go. And if I didn't feel that was that way, I wouldn't have been here. But here's the whole deal. Life goes on. And I want to tell you, don't take but one day and all of a sudden I feel like I leaked out. What happened to revival yesterday? I went to work. I got back into all the stuff I was hearing all day long the day before I was in the spirit last night. But I went back to work and I'm hearing all. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? It wasn't an issue that they went to sleep, that they were in life. Here was the issue. Five stayed very alert that the bridegroom could come any time. But the five that were foolish had gone to sleep in their spirit and was no longer aware that the bridegroom was coming and they were just utilizing and using what oil they were for every day and never replenishing them and never thinking about that the moment might come at any moment that the bridegroom is going to come. See, maybe God's calling us Maybe he's saying, I want you to reconsecrate yourself. See, you can love. They were all expecting him. You can love God. Come in this place. I love God, but I don't want to be a part of anything that God's doing. You got to realize something. You are made for the purpose of God. You are created for the glory of God. And I believe if you're going to be in a place where God is going to have full reign to do whatever He wants and the Spirit is going to move, it will do one or two things. It will pull you into it or it will push you away from it. No, it won't push you away. You'll make a decision to walk away from it. It will reveal you more than what you can realize. It's for consecration. I believe God is saying to Christ Church, give it all back to me. Give me my platform back. Give me my throne back in the house. You don't think we don't take it back? You're, I'm going to give you 55 minutes and that's all you have, God, if you can't move in that time. And don't think it's just up here. It's back here. It's sitting right here. Same, same boat happened. I'll give God this, but that's all I'm giving him. And we use the excuse, this is who I am. Sorry. No, you're created for the purpose of God. You're created for the glory of God. And I've got to come to say, God, am I really consecrated and dedicated for the purpose of God as much as I think I am? God, I really want you to use me. I've been praying for you. 
I've been praying like this this week. God, give us opportunities every day as they're going about our day to minister to somebody. Give us an opportunity. Give us an opportunity. Make us see it. Get us aware. I'm sure they're there because the Bible said in Isaiah, He awakens my ear morning by morning that I can hear His voice. And He's given me the tongue of the learned that I'll know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Every day somebody's going to cross our path. But am I going to be consecrated, dedicated enough to God that if God nudges me, hey, I want you to go minister to that person. Am I going to be consecrated and dedicated enough that I get, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'll just give you, I'll give you an answer. I'll give you a clue that he gave to his disciples. He said, don't worry about it. You just get close to him and I'll fill your mouth. You open it and I'll put something in it. That's all you have to do. You just open your mouth and I'll fill it. But i got to be consecrated. Here's the third reason. Here's the third, third, third reason. It's for anointing and empowering. The book of Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27. It says this. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. In Isaiah chapter 61, Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. He has sent me for the... Uh, he has, well, let me just read. I thought I could quote it. I'd usually do that. But I want to make sure that we say it right. Isaiah 61, verse 1, He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me. He has marked me. He has oiled me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison, to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to our God to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that's why I said I anointed you it's on you you got greasy you got oily. He anoints us for service. It empowers us. That anointing oil. That's all it talked about last week was the oil, was the Holy Spirit, right? Some, if somebody heard something different, please speak up now. But that's all I heard. So light, consecration, and oil. But wait a minute, let's go back to the ten virgins. Five of them let their lamps get low. Their oil go, and they were going to need it for the journey. Because in actuality, they were going to the party. They weren't the bridegroom. They weren't the bride. They were just part of the party that was invited to go be a part of what was coming, the, the bride and the groom coming together, which I believe is the church. But they were going to be on a journey. And the, the only right they would have to be in the path was that a part of the party is they got a lamp full of oil, and they're lighting their way as they go into this thing. But their oil runs out. And the time has come. And they said, give us some of your oil. They said, no. You go and buy it from somebody else. So when my oil gets low, how do I get more oil? I want to give you three ways to get oil. I believe they're found scripture. I believe I can give this to you soundly. Remember, let's go back. You don't have to turn there, but I'll go back to where I started out of Exodus chapter uh, 26, I believe, it, or 27, where he said they would have to grow these olive trees or go gather pure olives, olives and press them to get the oil, pure olive oil for the lamps. So here's the principle. Here's the principle. I, I believe somebody's got to sow for it. When I say so, I literally mean that. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms 126 and verse 5, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. The olive tree could just happen, but if we've got to have, we've got to have olives, somebody may need to plant some trees. 
with the purpose and the intent. I've got to have the olives. I've got to have the fruit. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. I believe if we're going to see a real move of God, if you'll look through history, somebody has paid a price on their knees of sowing for a move of God, crying out to God, planting seeds in the earth. God, we need a move of your spirit. We need to see revival come. We need an awakening. Every move of God recorded in history has always been preceded by somebody that's willing to sow in tears. I wonder if we got some. I really mean it. Not just show up for church. I mean you're so hungry, so engaged, and so excited to see God move that that's the thing that burns and moves your heart. You're laboring for, you're working for, is that you sow in tears. Before God, you're planting those trees that are going to come forth, that fruit that's going to come forth. I believe not only can we sow it through prayer, but I believe we can sow into it, literally. Sow into moves of God with our finances, being supportive and working. I believe that's why missions, missions is so important. There's a world of difference, and I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, but there's a world of difference than alms and, and, and seeds of, for missions. Not every meeting, not every mission. Listen, missions has to deal with one thing. Not putting food in people's belly. Missions has the intent that the gospel is being preached to everyone that doesn't know Jesus. You can give alms and still not be advancing the kingdom. You're just filling somebody's belly. Neither one of them are wrong. But our real intent is to see that the gospel is spread throughout the world. And I believe that that's something we really need to get in our heart is a vision and a passion and a harvest to see people born again. Here, outside of here, in our community, in our region, our state, our nation, and literally the world. Hello? That's why missions is so important. We're sowing into it. God, I'm sowing into a move of God. I remember years ago when the TV station was here and we got ready to release it, we were going to sell it because we were desperate in need. At that moment of time, 22 years ago, believe it or not, when I came here, this church had a low-powered station that covered. There was a quarter of a million dollars put in that station that came through the hands of people to spread the gospel to this city. It wasn't to show off this church. It was to spread the gospel. We came in because of circumstances. We needed to unload it because it was too costly. I had vision for TV but not to run a network or to run a station. So we tried to sell it. We sent it out to all the different networks saying, this is what we got. Are you guys interested? I had one network decided they wanted it. They made us an offer of cash, a cash flow and a, and a number of hours of airtime. That we would have, and I remember there were several of us uh, that were, we had gone to Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma to Willie George, and Tommy Barnett was there, and Tommy was preaching about the seed. And while he's preaching about the seed, all of a sudden, God just really quickened to my heart. He said, How can you sell the ministry? I thought, What? He said, how can you sell the ministry? And he spoke to my heart a principle that I've tried to live by. That's why we do some of the things that we do. He says this. He said, what you make happen for others, I'll make happen for you. So you see, when I invest into, into helping others fulfill their call and invest in the missions, what I'm really doing, I'm sowing and I'm planting and I'm hoping and believing for a great harvest that is going to explode right here. Y'all don't know this. I'll just go ahead and drop it here. You know, we changed everything over in the GC. Everything got changed. It was time for a change. Twelve years this past. And when we started putting that up, that was Pastor Kevin Detweiler's vision over there of all those artifacts and everything that was up there. And we started taking it down because it was very costly to put all of that up. Very costly because it wasn't done by us. It was done by professional people. We started, we started talking like this. We could, you know, this is what we could sell this and we could blah, 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 all this stuff. And I felt like the Lord said, no. He said, that's my vision that I started. And I remember calling Brother Kevin up. Matter of fact, we called him up and said, are you interested in this? He said, yeah. He said, I think the church, because they're building a new facility, they're getting ready to move into in the next few weeks. And uh, he said, we're very interested in it. He said, what, we'll give you whatever you set a price, we'll give it. 
But I said, no, we're not going to do it that way. Because I believe God is too big to get us limited like that. Because that vision never got fulfilled here. It'll be fulfilled there. And I said, Brother Kevin, this is your vision. You take it and you fulfill it over there. And I believe the whole reason that I sold it. Because why God is working over there, God's going to come in our back door. I just know that's how God works. Hello? But we got to sow into it. Somebody needs to be crying out. Church, are we just going to be passive? Are we going to go back to we're just passive people hoping and wishing? I want to be a part of God, but I'm not really willing to do whatever it takes to get into it. I believe another part of that, listen, I believe it takes labor. I'm still talking about sowing, but I believe it takes effort. You just don't get a harvest because you just wished it happened. You throw the seed in the ground. I know some of you, you've planted your gardens two or three times this year. Some of you, I, I, I live around the corner from John and Sarah, and I've watched them work in their lawn, and John's always out there doing something, him and Miss Sarah, and they're laboring, and it got a beautiful lawn, but I'm going to tell you, it didn't come without a lot of sweat. I'm going by there. He's got a do-rag around his head. It's early in the morning. Sweat's just pouring off of him. Why? He's got a vision for something beautiful, and he's laboring at it. Church, we got to get back. Listen, we've made church too easy. Well, Pastor, we're not to struggle no we're not to struggle with who we are in Christ but there does come a time where I got to contend for the move of God because the devil is fighting against every one of us I got to contend for that move I got to can the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent taketh it by force that's why sometimes I get up in here come on folks get out of your mund- mundaneness get out of your apathy you don't even realize you're asleep come on I'm not doing it just to get loud. I'm doing it because there's an enemy trying to destroy you. And if it's not you, it's somebody sitting in here. Somebody's got to labor. And it's too easy for us to get back and say, well, just a night. Listen, you guys can't forget, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and rulers of of darkness in heavenly places. They're always contending for what belongs to us. Matter of fact, me and Charlie was in a meeting across town at Cape First a week ago in their, their surge meeting, and the brother from Alaska was speaking. He said, when I came to town, he said, when me and my family came to town, he said, I'd never felt this, but he said, I came to town, I sensed the spirit of Leviathan was working greatly throughout this area. And Leviathan comes, it spoke of in the book of Joel, spoke of in the book of Isaiah, and I believe Ezekiel, but that spirit comes, it comes to, to, to bring envy, it comes to discourage, it comes with many different factors that I don't have time and even the knowledge to get into what it's all about but he said I see it working in this city Matter of fact, when I called Prophet Todd the first time, asked her to come, I was sharing with her. I said, listen, you're not coming to a church of thousands like your son is. I said, we were once here. I just gave her a brief history of it. And she said, I can tell you right now what happened. Leviathan touched your church. And then you and I want to come and just sit back and be passive. That spirit is touching your home. Those things are affecting your house. That's why we have to press for the oil. Because remember, the oil destroys the yoke and lifts the burden. Not only do we have to labor, but I, I believe, maybe if I got this right, oh, we got pre- to press into God. Church, I want to encourage you. I, that goes with the labor. I, I want to encourage you. Man, don't, let's don't get passive. That was five great nights, but let's just don't go. Okay, it's just Sunday morning, just us. Let's just go back like we were. I can't afford that. You can't afford that. And I was so blessed the other night when Shelly, your daughter, came came responding real quick to the call, wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I was so blessed to see this young man landing down here under the power of the Holy Ghost laughing. Listen, I would rather have him mess, I mean rolling all over this floor than me picking him up and dealing with his mom and dad because he's messed up in a back room somewhere. We, the church, have got to get bold and aggressive and press in again. Here's the third thing about that same picture. I, I think there comes a time I've already used it. We got to support other ministries. We just got some time. You got you, you got to support other ministries that are anointed, that are flowing. 
man, I tell you what, I don't know why it happened. I just, I just saw my phone one day, and I came across this thing with Young E. Cho. And I got to listen to him praying and telling why he prays. And if you followed his vision and what he's got to do, he'll say, I'll tell you why I pray seven hours a day. Did y'all hear what I said? Seven hours. He said, I'm getting older now, so I back off a little bit. I just pray five. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And the millions of dollars that he's believing for and all the things that they're doing through their church, not just a year in a year, but every month. He said, I got churches all over the world. I got 600 churches in America that I'm responsible for. 200 has got rebellious. They pulled away on their own. He's got churches all over the world. He said, I get calls from missionaries. He said, can you help me? I need a home. I need a car. We need this. And he said, I got to believe this. In their nation, he said, dementia and, and, and Alzheimer is, is a real bad issue. And he said, a lot of families can't deal with it. So they put these people out on the street. So what he did does he said we take them in we've built the place for them we take in this is what he said we feed them we clothe them we give them shelter and we do this for the rest of their lives I thought I had vision I don't do nothing compared to what this guy does not only that but young people they'll pull off the street the addicts and everything else he said we got a full blown school he said we'll go after them and we'll bring them in we'll house them we'll work with them we give them an education we give them a college degree and doesn't cost them a dime he said we make good citizens out of them and while we're doing that we are leading them to Jesus he said that's why I've got to believe he said I've got I've got over 750,000 people that attend my church on a regular basis every Sunday he said that's the one he deals with plus all the other churches Churches that he, I forget how many he said he has that had tens of thousands of people that's there. He said, I cannot touch all of them. So the first couple hours of my day, he said, they learn to communicate with me by computer and I share with them. We converse by computer. He said, this goes on every day. Wow. And on their mountain at their church, they call Prayer Mountain. Day and night is over 3,000 people that are laying before God, crying out to God for a move of God in that nation. That is what I thought, God, we've got to be stirred again. We've got to press. We've got to sow for it. Where did they get it? They had it, but where did it come from? Either they had trees outside. You have to understand something. To get oil, you got to get in the press. Isn't it interesting that the last place Jesus attended before he would be taken to the crucifixion, he attended the Garden of Gethsemane, which definition is it's the wine press. And he went into the place where he was being pressed so that the oil could flow to you and I. Let me give you the second, second part. What was that other one? We were uh, supporting Getting around other ministries. That's what I was talking. Let me, let me land there real quickly. Get around. I, I tell you what, you, feed, you need to be listening to anointed people. I mean, the more greater anointed, you listen to them, it'll, it'll get off on you. You need to be around anointed people. Just like I was telling you about old brother Welch years ago. As a young dude, I used to do it all the time. Man, I was running everywhere. I just wanted anointed. I was hungry. I'm still a young dude, and I'm still going. I've been following a church out in, out in Phoenix, Arizona. Somehow I'm going to get myself out there. They've been in revival for five years. And they've got a whole flow of people come in I've never heard of in my life. But I've been feeding on them every, every moment I can when I get in my truck. That's the first thing that goes on. I'm listening to these men. I'm listening to what God is pouring out. And I'm feeding myself. I want that flow. I believe it's tangible. I believe it's transferable. I believe it's catchable. And I believe if I can get in it and I can get close to it enough, I may not get all of it, but I'll get some of it. And I'll walk and I'll flow. And I believe you and I need to be the same way. Let me give you the second. I got to land this jet. L listen, he said to them, he said, go buy it. What do you mean go buy it? You need to go find anointed men and women that have it and let them pour it into you. I'm going to repent to you again. Years ago, I brought guest in after guest after guest into this house. And I did back in Kentucky. 
I brought men and women in that was anointed because we were hungry. I believe there's something when we bring the anointed men and women of God into the house that can do things that we can't. And I know we've got anointed men and women here. This is one of the most anointed men and women that I know sitting right here, and I'm so glad and so honored they're here. But I want to tell you, to a lot of us, it's just bow and sharing. And when it becomes familiar, when it becomes common, you get very little of what is there. And that's why sometimes when somebody like Dr. Cody or a, or a prophetess deal of whatever her name was, Todd came in or whoever else comes in this place that we're unfamiliar, we're sitting there sucking the air at the stuff they're talking. And when you sit back and listen to what they're talking, we've been preaching the same message for months. And we say they only confirm, why can I receive from them but I can't receive here, I can't move by because it's unfamiliar. And I believe there's something to it. That's why he said, listen, you can't live. You, you will never grow to full maturity living on a pastor anointing alone. Neither will you grow to full maturity leaving on a prophet's ministry alone. He gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher for the perfecting of the saints. That's why we brought them in. But over the years, I've let the finances of our church, I let you, I shouldn't say you, them that are watching me that are not here. I've let people say, we don't want to hear them. We want to hear you. I, I'm flattered by that, that somebody would want to hear me over a guest. But I'm telling you, I believe I did service because of the anointing because I'm common. I'm just one of you. You honor me as pastor but I'm still common and you're not getting everything. So when I bring somebody in, I don't expect them to do anything different than what I'm doing. I'm expecting them just to affirm us even more so that you can grab it and run with it. That's why we have to bring these guys. You know, I say, don't you, we shouldn't have to run to revival. Well, if it's not happening here, I might need to go find somebody that's got revival Bible flowing and say put something on me hello so we go buy it from people that are anointed that are moving and flowing in the Holy Ghost here's the third one I'll land the jet here you got to take it here was the last parable both of them spoke it Chris and so did uh, prophet Todd or, or prophet Todd did I believe no no Chris Cody did sorry you got to take the oil and you got to find a vessel. You may not feel like you got a lot, but if you'll find an empty vessel that was meant to have oil and you'll start pouring in, you'll never run out. It'll increase the oil in you by you giving out. I believe that is a principle of the kingdom. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. And that is far more than just for money. It's for everything. Listen, people have asked me over the years, Pastor, did you go to school? Did you? I, I did, and I didn't. I don't feel like I went off to seminary, didn't go off to a big Bible college like a lot of places have. But I believe one of the greatest things I've done, the more I've sown, the more that God, the more I give out, the more that God reveals to me. And I believe it's a principle for all of us to work in. The more that you'll pour out your oil into an empty vessel, into somebody that's in need, God will keep replenishing your oil. That's why he gave it to us. Whole issue of the week was the oil. Now, what are we going to do with it? Are we going we gonna to sit back and say that was a good meeting? It was great to have Prophetess Todd. Maybe someday we could get her to come back. And if she comes back, maybe she could bring her son Michael with us. I, that would be cool, but that might be all it would be. It's cool. But what are we going to do with what God has put? It's up to us now. It's our responsibility. Am I going to sit back and go to the mundane? Or am I going to start getting before God and say, God, you got to show me what i got to do with what you just put in me. You know, I was expecting, I'm not kidding you, because I'm expecting this house to be as full on Wednesday night as any other service that we ever have. I expect it. I expect people to come in. I see things where we got to get used to working altars. And I've talked to, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna structure our altars a little bit more because I am anticipating. We don't want chaos. We want God. And I believe there is a measure of order. And I want to protect this house and I want to protect you. And I don't want just anybody and everybody laying hands on them because I don't know who back there come up here. I don't know what kind of demon they got with them. But if I begin to prepare you and know who I got up here, have we got the structure right? Because I'm believing this place to be full of people that we're going to be ministering to on daily, daily basis that you and I have got to be ready for. But are you ready? 
Are you ready for it? I, Josh, what's his name? Josh Frederick had, been, had this thing on his heart for a long time. I said, Josh, I want you to start seeing this. I've already shared with him some of the things that I've shared with you tonight, especially about that art, 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 artisan guy. I said, Josh, I want you to begin to see it. Because if you and I don't see it, see, it's not enough for you just to come in here. Okay, your uh, leadership, come up here. And we just jump up here and go at it. But if you know, if we have a structure in a sense, and please don't mis misunderstand what I'm going to say. If I have a structure to say, Pastor Val and you and Sherry's going to be a part of the team tonight, I expect you to already be prayed up, ready to go, that when it comes time for you to minister, you're not coming cold turkey. You're coming already because you're prepared to meet this, whatever the need is setting in front of you. Hello? What are we going to do? My question is you tonight, what are we going to do with oil? My question for you tonight is, have you checked your dipstick? You got oil, you're running out. My question to you, like Pastor Chris told us, Chris Strong, have you trimmed that wick, got some of that dead stuff off of it? So that it can burn a little bit brighter, brighter and a little bit higher. Maybe some of us need, to, need a little bit of a trim. Get some of the deadness off of us. It's not that you're just all that bad. But we just, we've kind of burned out. And we're putting off more black soot than we are light. Ooh. God, let's get rid of the smoke. And let's really get to the real. Isn't it interesting? Can I, can I land here? I know it's way past time. Isn't it interesting? Remember Brother Cody said... He said the move of God is a progress, progressive. Think about this. This hit me today. God started out with Moses happening to be, happened to be wowed by a burning bush. And sometimes some people got to be wowed. I mean, it's going to be off the chart. It's got to be up there. That's why we, got, we do some of the things we do. It may not be for you, but it may need to be for somebody here. It motivates. It moves them to get wowed. I had somebody say about this church one time, they came here because they were wild. And then after a number of years, they left us. And I'd sit down with them and say, why are you going? I said, I don't feel that wow factor anymore. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Will you please tell me what that wow factor is? So I said, I'll tell you what, you make a list of what wowed you and then let's get back together. They made me a list. We got back together in a few days. You know what? Everything that they done, we were doing when they came in, we were still doing. What happened? We got familiar. And it didn't look like it was even there. And see, sometimes it's just kind of like you. You do something, you can go in your house, and you don't see your dirt. But you won't let anybody else in your house because you know they'll see your dirt. Wow, that's a message in itself. But isn't that true? Isn't that how we work? Sometimes you got, so Moses had to be wowed. But then God brings him. He sees the bush burning, but it's not being consumed. Now, just a few chapters later, they come. They come to the mountain. And on top of the mountain is dark clouds and thunderings and lightnings. And the, and the fire of God is on top of it. And a tr sound of it as though it's a trumpet is burning. And Israel is watching this thing. Now God's doing something different. God's setting something. He's not trying to wow them. He's saying, hey, I'm putting some order in some stuff. But then we go to the book of Exodus chapter 40. Tabernacle's been built. And all of a sudden the Bible said, and the glory filled the house. The cloud filled the house. And what was in the house rolled out of the house until it became a pillar of a cloud by day and a fire by night that set on the house. And all of Israel was recognizing the pillar of fire. And that thing was there for direction. When you see it move, you pack up everything and go. And when it stays, you stay right here, don't you move. See, we go from this state of not knowing to knowing till we mature. And we're walking in the glory. And we have an understanding of what it's all about. Where are we at? Are we back here? Way back here? Or does God have us at the mountain? I believe this whole week wasn't about those five days. But I believe it's about the season that we're in right now. 
and where we're going. Because I believe God wants a cloud in this house and a fire over the top. Are you and I ready? It's going to require something of us. We got to have the oil. We got to have the oil. Come on, stand with me tonight. Don't let your oil run out. Don't let your oil run out. I hope you're checking yourself. I hope you're checking, pulling your dipstick and checking. My dad, bless his heart, was a mechanic. And that was one thing my dad always taught us boys. Boy, have you checked that oil? Have you checked that oil? I could say, Dad, yeah, he knew better. Dad could go out there and pull that stick. Yeah, that's right, oh boy. Dad could tell if it wasn't low. It may not have been low. Boy, you better change this oil. It's dirty. You better change this oil. And I don't know how many times my brother, that oldest brother, Chris's dad that traveled all the time, he was not mechanically inclined at all. That dad would go, every time he'd come home, dad would go pull that dipstick on that car. I don't care which one he had. And if that car needed oil, buddy, he let my brother know it. You've been checking your oil. You're checking your oil tonight, whether you know it or not. Is your oil dirty? Is your oil got soot in it? Are you low? It's time to get filled up. We got some places we got to go. We got some things to do, Father. My Father, my Father, my Father, don't let our flame go out in this house. Don't let that oil get low in this house, Father. God, I bought Father, I pray tonight that you would increase the flow and the pressure of the oil. Increase it in this house until that light brines so bright. Until that flame is so bright on us and in us and through us and on this house that it reaches this entire city and region. God, I pray tonight that every one of us get a fresh stirring and a new stirring and we'll take the things that we've received and heard over the last few days and God, we will pick it up and run with it with everything that we've got in us to see your glory revealed to the earth that the whole earth and to everybody we come in contact with will come to know you Jesus God I God I believe it right now I be come on pray in the Holy Ghost with me just for a moment would you Father, let it flow, 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 God, like we've never seen it. Lord, this weekend as we come back together, let it flow like we've never seen it, God, into the heart and life of those in need, Jesus. God, we call the harvest in from the north, south, and the east, and the west. We call them into this place. Father, we call those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that are shattered and bruised. Father, to come to the oil, and we will anoint them, Father, and declare that you'll broke off of them in the name of Jesus. Father, may they see a light upon us and know you, Jesus. Oh, God, we believe it. We believe it, God. I call him in. Angels, go move every obstacle. Go move every obstacle that's holding. Wake them up if they got to be woke up. Shake them. Open their prison door so they can come to where your church is. God, and be set free. God, we declare that right now, God, in the name of Jesus. And I pray over you as you go that divine opportunities are opening to you to every day. And that your oil is going to flow into an empty vessel. It's going to flow. And I decree over you that the Spirit of the Lord hath anointed you. And He's anointed you to preach this gospel. He has anointed you to proclaim deliverance to the captive. To, for the opening of the blind eye. God, to set at liberty. To set at liberty those that have been bruised. He has anointed you so you can proclaim deliverance. Heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim the acceptable years 
fear of the Lord, to comfort those that are mourning, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He's anointed you for it. You're anointed for it. You're anointed for it. You're oily for it. It's on you for it. Look for it. Expect it. Walk in it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I bless you to walk in it. With the fragrance of man. Pastor Val, you made me some oil a few months ago. I wish you'd make me some more. Because it smelt good. I'd almost take a bath in that. Rub that oil till we smell with the fragrance of our Father. Get oily, guys. Get oily. Rub yourself down with the oil of God till you begin to smell like Him. Till everybody smells you on Him. Come on. You ever go in somebody's house? I did it today. I made some bacon at the house after I was ready to leave. I smelled like that bacon for an hour. I didn't lay in it. I ate it. But I smelt like it. Because the fragrance got on me. Get it on you. Go in the name of Jesus. Good night, everybody.